Um, I'm going to jump right in here. Um, worship team is going to come back up in a few minutes, and I want to share with you a message that we're that you may be familiar with. If you've read the book, we've, we recommend um, everybody reads Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, if you haven't, um, grab it. It's a really, really great book, and one of the teachings that the, that the author does in there is, is unpacking um, the temptations of Jesus, and I want to share with you a little bit about that this morning, and so um, you might be familiar with that message, but what we want to do is continue to craft our gathering time so that we have space at the end to, to respond, and, um, and giving the Spirit of God a chance to, an opportunity to really take some of these truths deeper into us, and as we're singing that song, I'm, I'm just reminded as we go through this yearly journey of intimacy, identity, inheritance, that this is, our, this is our foundation, that truly our foundation is Jesus, and that's the intimacy that we have through Christ with our Father and the presence of the Spirit alive in us, that that's the foundation uh, of, our, of our journey. But really what we build on that foundation is vital. And, and so as we're talking about uh, the... Ref- oh, hey, good morning. Did you, did you have donuts for us? No, you have donuts for middle schoolers. Middle schoolers, if you haven't yet, there's donuts and Jesus. That's what we call it, donuts and Jesus. Um, yeah, it's, it's right here. <laughs> um, so as we build on that foundation, though, I think this is what a lot we've been talking about identity is, is we're not in a performance mode, but we are building on that foundation. And so what we build sometimes can be built on, on false beliefs and lies that we have been told in our, in our childhood, our upbringing and the things. And we start to believe these things and they become these base stones to our entire life and what we build. And so we want to invite God to talk to us about our identity. And we even want, as Nisha was saying, we don't want to make. We don't want to feel like we're in a constant play, state of remodeling and being rebuilt. But there is times and there is seasons where, man, if I if I built my house and I know that some of those those base bricks are are not truths, I want to remove those. I want to invite God to to re, replace some truth in those places. And then the, if we're if we're carrying on with this metaphor or this picture, then really like what that house contains or what God fills that house with is is our inheritance. Our inheritance is that reality of all that God is poured into us and then reflected out into all that we do. And so what we want is to be people who are founded in him and built up in our identity of truth, but then that we are filled to the fullness of God that we, and then we release that out to the world around us. And so that's how we carry our inheritance. And so today we're moving into that conversation about our inheritance, but I do want to make sure that we spend a little bit more time on this identity piece because the identity is, your identity is the vessel that you carry the fullness of God in and release to the world around you. And so that whether or not God wants to fill you, when you come into relationship with Jesus, whether or not God wants to fill you is not really, uh, uh, there's, there's no point to that discussion because we know that you are filled with God in Christ. And so, but let's continue to talk about our identity because is that's the vessel. And if my identity is fractured and fragmented, then maybe the things that I'm trying to carry, are, I, I'm not the best container, really, maybe. And, and I could fill you. I could, if you had a bucket and we drilled holes in the bottom, I could fill it and fill it and fill it, but you wouldn't make it very far, right? You would be draining it out. And so, so I, I want to make sure that my identity is so deeply formed by Christ and in Christ and in Scripture that, that, that I don't have these deep fragments that are allowing maybe some of the things that God's trying to fill me and do through me 
to not maybe have the momentum or the traction that he would desire because I have to stop and say, wait, 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 okay. Is there continuing to be a deeper, a deeper work? My identity is the vessel by which I carry the inheritance that I release to the people around me. Does that make sense? Okay, so if anything I ever say to you from the front, from, through this microphone or into your homes, into your homes, uh, I couldn't find the camera for a second there, um, ever sounds like performance, just cross it off or don't, don't write it down or, or come to me and, or to someone and talk about it later because we, we are not teaching performance, but we are, ta- we are teaching hard work, not work that earns your, God's favor. It's not work that earns your salvation. It's not that. But I do believe that doing the, the deep work of inviting truth to reform the beliefs, the false beliefs I might have about God or myself or my circumstances, that's hard, that's hard work. It's not performance. There's a difference between working to get attention, working to get affection, working to be seen and recognized, and working in response to love and invitation. But it's still, there's still work. We, just, we have to make sure we get the basis of that right. Otherwise, you'll walk out of this room going like, oh, here we go again. More to do. Let's go back to the drawing board or back to the remodeling the house thing or whatever. No, we're not trying to weary you with work. This is the kind of stuff we're talking about doesn't happen through performance. It doesn't happen happen just because you're, you're going back and going through the checklist. It really happens as a result of surrender. And, uh, and so this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about this, this passage of scripture where we find Jesus being baptized and then going into the wilderness and then, and then allowing God's presence to minister to us this morning. When we, when we talk about uh, inheritance, I want to make sure that we understand that we are not talking about money. We're not talking about possessions. Uh, and our inheritance from God is never talking about accumulating. It's always going to be about how are you releasing all that God is and all that God has made himself known to you, how are you releasing that into this world around you? How are you impacting the world around you with the fullness of God uh, and, and that you carry? And so it's not about accumulating. It's not about, it's, it is about releasing. It's about giving away. And we say it like this, all that inheritance is all that God is accessed by faith in Jesus Christ alone and made manifest in us and around us by the indwelling and empowerment of God's spirit, which we steward for his purpose and glory. And I know that's a long, a, a mouthful, but I like to say that at the beginning of this inheritance uh, journey so that we get that right. All that God is accessed by faith in Jesus Christ, and it's made manifest in and around us by the indwelling empowerment of God's spirit, which we steward for his purpose and his glory. That's our inheritance as believers and followers and sons and daughters. So we've been made right with the Father through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And because we have a Father, that means that we have an inheritance. And that's why, that's why identity is so, such a foundational building block because we're either gonna live as if we're a son and a daughter or we're gonna live as if we're earning a wage and we are, we're trying to measure up or, or, or make the, punch the clock of Christianity and we don't want that to be the case. We wanna live as sons and daughters who believe that through Christ we have been brought into relationship with our Father and if we have a good Father, that means we have an inheritance and our inheritance is not 
Despite what may have been taught to you, our inheritance is not in the future. It is eternal, but that doesn't mean that it exists in the future. It is eternal in the sense that it can be accessed here and now and always. And so we get to carry that and believe that and, and say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven right here, right now. And that is our inheritance. Okay, so uh, Romans 8 reminds us this, and we've read this scripture probably um, every Sunday or every other Sunday throughout the entire journey, intimacy, identity, and inheritance, because it's so perfect. But remember this, you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear. And when Paul wrote this in Romans, I would tell you about it if we had a lot more time. Um, so <laughs> when he wrote this in Romans, he was talking specifically about religion. You're not going back under that yoke of old covenant religion. Okay, so he says, you didn't receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. It's the difference between believing that God is a judge who wants to hammer down on you and tell you that you're guilty, or if it's a father who says, I want to invite you into my home and my heart. And so we cry out by the spirit, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we are children of God, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That's where we stand as we talk about inheritance. So our identity then is this container that carries the, our inheritance in the fullness of God. We are treasure. We carry treasure in these jars of clay. Second Corinthians, for God who said, let light shine out of the darkness in Genesis. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus. But we have this treasure, that is, the knowledge of who God is reflected in the person of Christ. We have this knowledge and this treasure in jars of clay. That's our lives to show that this all-surpassing power that you now carry because of your relationship with Jesus, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you. That same power that we carry in these jars of clay is not from us but it is from God. And so we're all saying, yes, we want that power. Come on. And Jesus carried that power. We want that power. But what if I told you that when Jesus carried that power, it was after he went through the desert. It was after he went through confronting false lies against his identity. It was after he fasted for 40 days and it was walking out of that place that he came into power. Do we want the journey or do we just want the destination? Do we want to be filled or do we want to be filled and moving in power? Because he's filled every one of us as we believe in Jesus. But are we moving in our inheritance, in our identity as sons and daughters? Are we moving in the power that God has for us? Oh, we want it. But do we want the process? And so I want to talk a little bit more about the process this morning. Okay, so flip with me to Luke 4. From led to filled to carrying and releasing our inheritance. I'm going to set this over here so you guys don't have to be nervous every time I move my teaching stand. I get, I'm just getting pretty good at it. I don't know. Now I can just turn it quickly. Don't have to do the whole awkward thing. All right. So as you guys know this story, we've talked about it a few times. Jesus is in the wilderness. He's walking into the, no, he's not walking into the wilderness. 
John the Baptist is preaching the gospel. He's preaching the good news that Jesus has come, that Jesus is the Messiah. He knows that Jesus is the Messiah, and so he's proclaiming it to people. Jesus is the Messiah. Believe in him. God's kingdom is here. Turn from your earthly kingdom and follow him. And he was calling people to repent, and they would come out to him, and he would baptize them. He called him John the Baptist, right? He's baptizing people to prepare them for the coming of the Messiah. And so Jesus shows up and says, John, baptize me. And John says, no, I can't baptize you. And he says, yeah, it's, this is meant to be. This is how it's supposed to be. And so John baptizes Jesus in the water. And then when Jesus comes out of the water, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Jesus comes out of the water. The Father speaks over him. This is my son whom I am, am pleased, who I love, and I am pleased with him. I'm proud of him. And so he speaks this over him. And then the presence of the Spirit of God descends on Jesus like it does. So you have this beautiful picture of the triunity of God in this moment. So the Spirit rests on Jesus. And then immediately after that, it says this, that Jesus now was full of the Holy Spirit. So remember these three things that God, his Father, spoke over him. And so Jesus, full of the Spirit, we all, come on, we want to be full of the Spirit. We want to be Spirit-filled people, right? Jesus is full of the Spirit. He left the Jordan, and then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Okay, there's not enough time to unpack that, and my life is not in the place right now that you want me to unpack that, but this is real. This is real, and sometimes we believe that following Jesus means that we get to always have it the, the good stuff and, and none, none, of the, none of the pushbacks and none of the wilderness things. But, but what we see right here is that Jesus has this pinnacle moment of the Father speaking identity over him, right? And when you have these pinnacle moments where you experience God's presence and you, you're replacing lies with truths and you're, and you're like, God, I know who I am and I see it. You, you want to just immediately go and walk in it, right? And we're taken off guard often when these moments with God are followed by him saying, okay, now let's walk into a place where this that I just spoke over you might be challenged because what he speaks over us and the identity that he speaks over us we never truly come into rising in it and believing it and standing in it until it's been challenged until something has been challenged in your life it's just theory you can say it all you want but once it's challenged and you remain in it then it's becoming root it's getting down to that base level right so anyway led by the spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted, he was tested by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, the adversary, the accuser. And at the end of them, he was hungry. The accuser, the devil, said to him, if you are the son of God. Okay, direct confrontation to what God had just, his father had just spoken over him. Tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. I know I'm teaching this quickly, guys. You've, you've either heard this before. You can read, the, read the, uh, you, the passages and see what God's doing in this. But what I really want is to get us to some time to allow the Spirit to minister to us this morning. So forgive me if I'm going a little quick. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I, will, I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Okay, he's answering these, these lies with scripture, but something else we have to remember is that the devil is a liar. He can only lie. He's only ever, ever, ever lied. And so if we're gonna build our theology or our doctrine, sorry, if we're gonna build our doctrine about the authority that the devil supposedly has, we probably shouldn't take it from sentences that he speaks. So anybody that's teaching you about the devil's current authority based on his lie in this verse, in that sentence, they're wrong. He can only lie. So the fact that he would say that is actually showing us that that's not true. Okay, so 
Let's, let's, let's do that message. How much time you guys got? <laughs> Six minutes? Awesome. Okay. And then the devil led him to Jerusalem. He had him stand on the high point of the temple. Why the temple? That's the center of community. Everybody, the, the center of, the, uh, uh, of their culture was the temple. So everybody would have been around there. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written about the Messiah. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So... When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. It was the beginning of his power ministry time on earth of displaying the kingdom of God. And it was brought out of this time in the wilderness where everything that his father had spoken over him was directly uh, confronted. And Jesus chose not to believe the lie, not to accept the temptation, not to accept the shortcut, but in staying in that place. You all right back there? Good. Okay. To not stay in that, to not take the shortcut he was able to remain in the identity that his father spoke over him and therefore fulfill the assignment that his father had for him. And that's true as well for our journey. And, he, as, and note this too, Deuteronomy. Jesus uses Deuteronomy three times when he's confronting the lies of the devil. And I think it's funny, uh, interesting that Jesus with four, took him 40 days in the wilderness to get so bored that he made it to uh, read Deuteronomy. Um, <laughs> That was a scripted joke. I, I'm glad you guys, that was like, that was like canned laughter on a TV show. That was rough. The delivery was rough, and so was the response. Good job. Thank you, guys. Um, so Jesus had his identity tested before he walked it out. What we gain through revelation is established through testing and application, and the temptations of Jesus weren't simply about getting him to sin. They were about getting him to give up his identity, what his father spoke over him, and his assignment. You think far too little of yourself if you believe that your adversary wakes up every day going, how can I get them to misbehave? Like, the, like, like what, if what is your highest goal when you go out and walk out your Christian life? Is it really not to sin? Because that's what I think we've so often been taught is like, like just don't screw up and you're doing well, right? No, the, the adversary is after you not to get you to sin. He's after you to get you to give up your identity, to give up your inheritance, to give up your authority, to give up your assignment, to not do those things. He does not care if you make a mistake. He doesn't care if you sin. He cares if you believe the lie that you are not who your father says you are and that you cannot do the things that scripture tells us that we can do in Christ. It's a much bigger thing at hand than him just going, oh, if I could get Jesus to sin, if I could get them to sin, that's what just really ruin their day. No, we're talking about a kingdom being confronted and a kingdom of light that you carry that overpowers the kingdom of darkness and that he wants to interrupt that progression, okay? So let's believe that and let's stand in that. So each lie of the enemy in its own way that Jesus 
confronted, screamed, are you really who God says you are? Does he really love you? Are you really good enough to carry this assignment? Wouldn't you prefer a shortcut? Isn't it interesting that each one of the things, uh, temptations that the enemy brought, brought a shortcut to something that God was accomplishing through Jesus? There's a much more that we can talk about that, but when you read it and study it, look at it through this lens. Oh my goodness, not only was it temptation, it was shortcutting to say, oh yeah, God wants you to have authority. God wants you to have all nations. God wants you to have the treasure. God wants wants you to do this, to see miracles and signs and wonders. Let's shortcut it. See, the, 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 the lies that the enemy brings against your identity are always going to come with a shortcut to something that is counterfeit, but it looks just enough like what God has for you that you can convince yourself to settle there. We have to be people who are so secure and so our ears are so tuned in to who the Father says we are that when we, we recognize the lie, we recognize the temptation, and we recognize when we've set our lives up at a destination that is a counterfeit or a shortcut of what God truly has for us. Let us open our eyes and our spirits to be able to see where have I settled. Okay, worship team. Look at that. Come on. You didn't think it was going to happen. <laughs> it's true. It's, they're, they're not wrong. But look at me. Oh, that's awesome. The worship team is going to come back up. We're going to have some time for ministry and response. And here's, here's what I want you to do. You guys rock. Um, I mean, you do, really, but also. I'm, yeah, thanks. Okay. So Jesus faced three powerful temptations that attacked the identity that his father had just spoken over him and offered him those three shortcuts to what God was trying to do and accomplish through Jesus' life. And the three temptations, if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down because we're going to take about five minutes on each one of these and just allow the Spirit of God to speak to you specifically about any places in your life or heart where you have allowed these to become foundation stones or are, are things that you latch onto for identity, these temporal things. And these were the three things. I am what I do. That is performance. If you are who God says you are, make these stones into bread. Do something to prove it. Temptation two, I am what I have. It was about possessions. The, his, the, the accuser showed him all the power of the earth. And he said, look around, look around. Everybody has more power than you. You have nothing yet. Who are you? And you, how can you believe that you're somebody? He was inviting him into that, that comparison trap that competition trap, and he was inviting him into the lie that says, you are what you have. Possessions define you. Possessions make your life worth living. Possessions make it so that you feel like you've arrived somewhere of significance. Temptation three, I am what others think of me and about me. This is defined by people around you. If you are who God says you are, Satan asked him, told him to throw himself off in, in that highest spot in the middle of the temple. And people are going to see this beautiful miracle and they're all going to worship you and go, oh, he's amazing. Get people to like you. Do what you have to do to be seen a certain way in their eyes. And Jesus knew that his father had a different plan for him to be raised up at a different time that would accomplish far more. But the temptation was there to say, be defined by what people think of you. If they don't believe in you, if they don't think you're great, are you really anybody? 
Jesus rejected each one of these offers. And as he rejected each one of these offers, the truth that his father spoke over him was established more and more in his life to the point that it wasn't just about Jesus passing or failing a test, but it was more like a test that we would do on a chair before we sit in it. What is the weight of glory that I can put upon this life? And the father saw that Jesus was gonna remain in that place and it wasn't a pass-fail test. It was saying, okay, here is someone who can carry my kingdom and my power and isn't going to be tempted to shortcuts and isn't gonna just jump around to temporary things. How can God's presence and power and purposes and assignment rest on my life if one day my identity is founded in him and the very next day I'm running around for the accolades of humans and people or possessions. When God tests my life, he might find it a little bit frail because I'm constantly moving towards something else other than who he says that I am and says what he has for me. And so we all say yes to this testing. I believe. What is the weight of glory that can rest on my life? It'll be answered by this question. Where is your identity founded? And any place where I put my identity in temporary things is not a place where God's glory and purpose and assignment and power is going to rest well on my life for any length of time. And so it is in surrender as we are tempted to these things that we are allowing them to reveal to us and we surrender to God's truth and we reject those lies and those shortcuts that that identity piece becomes more and more foundational to us that we can walk. Maybe we walk a little slower because we're a lot more confident in who we are. We don't have anything to prove. We just remain in that and then we carry the assignment and the presence of the living God throughout our life. And sometimes to get to that place, wanting to walk in power, we have to go through that desert place. But if you are today one of us, you're one of the many, you're part of the crew who find yourself today in a desert place, I I simply want to celebrate you. I want to commend you. Jesus didn't run off. He didn't throw up. I give up. He stayed. And as you stay in that place, I just can't help but say, I have so much respect for you. I also have so much anticipation for you because it takes a desert place oftentimes for us to break the temptations of identity that we so easily grab onto. And it is interesting. It's interesting that the enemy came at a time when he thought he would find Jesus at his weakest. And despite the fact that he found himself stuck in Deuteronomy. I love Deuteronomy, stop it thought he would find him at his weakest, but what? He found Jesus at a place of total reliance on who his father had spoken over, what his father had spoken over him, so that he immediately recognized the lie. It is often in your most difficult places that it may not look like you have it all together, but you are finding the strength 
of relinquishing all of the temporary things and latching fully onto Jesus, that the enemy would come and go, ha ha, I've got you at a place where you're gonna fall to temptation. He's gonna discover that you have actually found your strength in reliance instead of in performance. When things are going good, it's so easy for us to get into performance and comparison and all of those things, but when they aren't and we're in the desert place, what do we have? We just cling to Jesus. But then how much can we find our identity, our truth, when we're clinging to Jesus? So this morning, I wanna invite a death to the places that we've rooted our identity in the temporary to say no to the shortcuts, that we wouldn't be satisfied with finding fulfillment or satisfaction and meaning in temporary things, that we wouldn't eject out of these desert places, we wouldn't look for quick fixes. I want us to lay hold of our identity and then move in the power and the authority of our inheritance. And I want you to hear this, do not grow, grow weary of contending for your identity. I'm not saying back to square one, I'm not saying any of that stuff, I'm just saying, doing this is a daily work. You're not performance. We're not teaching you like a three-step process to perfection. We're actually saying you're not finding your identity through figuring all this stuff out. You're not finding your identity by getting back to the drawing board. You're finding your identity through surrender, through soaking in his presence, his truth, and his scriptures. We're not here to perform. So for the next few minutes, I wanna lead you through this time for the first little section, I want, I just want you to ask this question. Have I found my identity in what I do or what I can accomplish? Spirit, you are here and you're alive and you're moving in this place. As we ask these questions, I ask that, you, that we would not ask them with shame or trepidation that you're gonna come and like be disappointed in us. We ask these knowing that they come with an invitation to reject places where we have built lies or we've built on lies. So reveal to us right now for these next few minutes, we're gonna just sit in this place and allow you to interact with God and write and listen and reflect maybe on some <laughs> interactions you've had this week or interactions you've had throughout your life. God, would you show us places where we've built our identity on what we do and what we accomplish.
question and now I want you to ask the same question just 
Spirit of God, would you reveal to me any places in my life for my heart where I've established my identity and what I, what I have, my, my possessions, and that may be financial accomplishments. It, it might be how much I have, but it can also be of like, I have found my identity in having a perfect marriage. I found my identity in having great kids, or I found my identity in having blank. Just invite his, his presence to meet you in that place and continue to write and reflect, just letting him speak to you. He's not here to chastise you. He's not here to scold you. He's here to love you and refine you. And his greatest desire is to speak truth over you until you would believe it. So God, show us places we've put our identity in what we have.
identity and living from what people think of me. And I want to say this just really quickly for clarity. is like God built you with a desire for community. He built you with a desire to be loved by people and to love people. And so it matters to us what people think. It's okay. We desire relationship. It's okay. That's healthy. What's not healthy is when what people think of me or if I'm, are they talking about me or we get on social media and we compare ourselves to other people. It's That's when it begins. And those are simple examples. But it's not that we don't have a desire to be loved and seen by people or to love and see people. It's just that when it becomes the thing that affects how I see myself and the ebbs and flow of my life or my day or my responses to people can indicate that I've put far too much value and too much identity in what people think about me. It's not whether it's there, it's where it ranks in my process. It's true with all of these. So Father, would you come and just show us any places any ways that it's manifesting or showing up in our life, how we have made what people think of us in the fear of man and performing for others. One of the highest values of our day, of our life, of our function. Just speak to us about those places. about Jesus, why we love to follow Jesus, why we love to invite people to follow Jesus, is that he takes things, we're like spending this time writing things down and asking for revelation of places where we have things a little bit out of order, and, and then we can be like, well, 
what am I going to do with this? This all feels like, oh. The beautiful thing about Jesus is that he takes the stuff that we bring to him that isn't beautiful, isn't polished, isn't perfect, isn't like, oh, I'm doing this really well, or I'm finding my identity in the right place. The, the powerful reality of a God of exchange is that we can bring to him our weaknesses, our frailties, our failures, and our shortcomings, and he sees that as an act of worship because it takes a deep level of surrender and sincerity and vulnerability to bring our weaknesses to Jesus and lay them at his feet, and that he would say, I receive that as worship and then he exchanges those things and he gives us in exchange for that beauty for ashes so this morning as we're here and we're doing this processing and things are coming up and we're seeing things we're not going to stay in that place we get to do an exchange so for these next few minutes as we worship I want to invite you to understand the power of communion Communion's available if you would like. It's on both of these tables, and you're welcome. As a follower of Jesus, you're welcome to take communion because it's an exchange where you say, places where I found my false identity, I am now exchanging for the truth of who Jesus says that I am. And how do I find who Jesus says that I am? Because his blood poured out for you speaks a better word than any other thing on this earth. Anything that anyone has spoken over you, any lie that you have believed, his body broken for you, his blood poured out for you, speaks to the truth of who you are. You are valuable to the, in the equation that says, I would lay down my life for you. So as we come to communion, it's that reminder of the miraculous exchange of saying, yeah, I see now, God, that I've got some places where I've tied my identity and I'm bringing those to you and I'm laying them at your feet and I'm taking an exchange of what your body and your blood poured out, your death for me speaks over me. That you are seen, you are loved, you are forgiven, you are a son, you are a daughter, you have a father and an inheritance and he is pleased with you. He is proud of you. He went to the cross and laid down his life so that you could know without question what his love for you looks like. Before you performed, before you turned, before you got fixed, before whatever, he laid down his life for you. That is the love. That is the identity that we live out of. So for the next five minutes or so as we continue to worship, communion tables are, or you can just stay in this place of reflection, continue to write, continue to worship, continue to operate in that place of exchange. But for those that would like to, let's have this, this exchange in this time of communion.
up this time one is just a reminder that as God encounters you in these places of deep exchange for identity and and reminding you that as you as you establish yourself in, in his identity you are better able better equipped to carry the inheritance and the kingdom purposes and the assignments he has on your life but you're not to walk out of this room with, with a feeling of a whole bunch of lists of things I gotta go change or things I've gotta fix. Remember what we said, you don't, you don't strive your way into identity, you surrender into identity, that you're surrendering to his truth. And I cannot overstate how deeply desirous the Father is of meeting with you every day throughout the day and just speaking truth and love over you. He does this, you don't have to do this. If you need a, a reminder of that, you can watch the end of Moana, that's your assignment. I know who you are. I'm carrying your heart back to restore your original design. No matter how, how hard it is, I'm bringing it back to you and I'm sticking that. He wants to put that true heart back in you that you would come alive to who you truly are. Watch the movie. It's better than I could preach. But at the end of this, we are not walking out of here with a list of things to perform. And please do not be discouraged if exchanges that you feel like you've made right here today are immediately 
challenged with temptation because your identity is established when you have the opportunity to say, wait, wait, wait. No, that's not who my father says that I am. Do not be discouraged in temptation. Remember, it's an opportunity to ask again, to slow down and ask again, who am I? Am I gonna live out of who you say I am or am I gonna live out of these temporary things? Don't be discouraged. If he leads you into some wilderness places where you have to let go of some things so that you can truly surrender and hold on to him, that's okay too. We're not walking out of here striving. We're not walking out of here performing. We're not walking out of here fixing and we're not walking out of here not expecting these places to be challenged. But God, as they are challenged, let us cling to you cling to who you say we are, just like Jesus did. And that each one of those temptations, each one of those shortcuts, he said no. And he stood and believed and remained in who you said he was, that he would walk out of that that season in power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Thank you for hanging in with us on some of these intensives and going into these deeper places. God's not done, but he is far more capable of meeting you and taking you and taking you deeper and pursuing you in these places. Doesn't all have to happen here at all. Um, If you would like to hang out for a few minutes, you can, but if you do have kids in in middle school or in Kingdom Kids, we'd ask that you would go directly to there, to, to them and get them to there. Grab them. If you want to talk and hang out, build community, build friendship, please do that. But let's do that out in the in the lobby. We're going to keep uh, just playing some more music in here and having some, a little bit more time. If you didn't get a chance to take communion or would like some more prayer, you're welcome to do that in here. Okay, we love you guys. Have a great Sunday. Thank you so much for coming and being with us.